I've been like, uh, feel like an old man in a cave as, uh, cause I don't venture out very much. I ventured out for the first time in a while this weekend. So that was, that was strange. Just like, uh, I felt a little bit like the groundhog coming out of its, uh, to see if I could see my shadow and see how many more weeks we have of soccer, which apparently yeah. not enough, uh, less weeks of soccer cause we didn't win. So. Well, it's got to be doubly insulting that the only chance you have to get out of the house involves spending time with me. Well, it, yeah, it does feel like I'm doing some kind of like it was a court ordered kind of thing. You know, I don't know. <laughs> soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of Soccer Chat. We're brought to you by BGN.FM, the Beautiful Game Network. We're also brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. And Jeff, I'm sad to say it's over. Well, the season's not over, but any hope and joy has left the building, uh, or at least uh, any any uh, hope for uh, postseason. It's it's a very short postseason, but we still wanted to be in that postseason so bad. Since we were so close last time uh, to the last match, and it felt like we were going to go right to the end. So, I don't know, uh, Alex. Do you think it's it's better? knowing early that you're not going to be in or would you, you know, or is it, or is that continue gnawing of going, okay, we're, we're not out yet. We're not out yet. Which is, which is tougher for you. So yeah, the anxiety of whether or not we're going to be in, can we do it? Are we still, you know, we're still alive. You know, it hurt having to be kind of at the mercy of what other teams were doing, but to still have that excitement when you're going into the game, I think was better, you know, going into this last game against Richmond, you know, we don't have much else to play for except pride, um, you know, trying to, to, you know, hurt Richmond's feelings by knocking them out of that final spot by beating them on the final day. It just, it feels a little bit harder to get up for uh, than if we actually did have uh, our own chance at the playoff spot riding on that game. You know, that's one way, but another way to look at this, Alex, is right now um, there's no reason to not go for broke. We have nothing to lose, and um, so that's why, you know, you're not going to win, so put all your chips in on this one. So are you saying a 2-3-5? Uh, we go out there with a 2-3-5 and, and send those wing backs all the way up for the entire game? Not a two, three, five. I okay. think this time, I think I, I, I'd like to see <laughs> three in the back. Actually, this time a three, what would it be? Uh, it'd be three backs. The, uh, yes. And that way you could advance those wing backs a little bit. You only have two forwards, but you got the wing backs kind of serving a wing back slash winger. Uh, you still have your three in the midfield, but you've just got the two forwards because you're, your wingbacks are filling in that position. So if you have a third uh, center back back there, I think that would be interesting. But uh, I jumped ahead because we haven't gone over the guess the lineups, but that's no, the but kind I, uh, of thing. 
yeah, playing off your playing off your gopher broke of experimenting. Um, do you see? Well, I guess we're really kind of stepping on all of that. Um, that that <laughs> we'll get to some of the different ways that we may approach this game. You know, I think that does make it interesting. Um, you know, it, it's I guess having a little more time for us to process it is better than last year where uh, Lansing Ignite decided to fold their club. Uh, just before the last game of the season and basically didn't show up at all so that Madison could clinch the playoff berth and render our game an hour and a half later completely meaningless um, to have to go and stand there with that bummer. Um, having a week to, to prepare for it, I think, is a little bit better. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of experimentation they might do. Um, you know, and and it's... You can make all sorts of complaints about the five games in 15 days, um, about not having the balanced schedule so that someone like Omaha, um, you know, had a significantly easier path, uh, things like that, that you can complain about. But when you look at the season, you know, it really is on our team for not, not putting away the chances they had, not coming through with the results when they needed them. Um, you know, the answers are going to have to come from within when we go into this next season. So facing that, Jeff, what do you think were the biggest factors that kept us from being able to finish in that top two? Wow. I knew you were going to ask that question somehow uh, because you <laughs> sent me that question ahead of time. So, yes, uh, first of all, I think is consistency. That has been our Achilles heel for the whole season is consistency and that's something that we need to continue to build up and the second one is actually related to that and that's depth and at the and at about midway i thought differently i thought we had a very deep squad and compared to last year we did but what i kept finding out was we continue to find ourselves just uh where we ran out of bullets we just were out of ammo we had no more gas in the tank or whatever metaphor we want to throw out through there. Sure. We have, I think we have more talent on our bench this year than we had last year, but we still didn't have enough to push us through because we pushed so hard, which is because of the style of play. We ended up having to go through more players. So, and it's not just the adding more players, but the players having more rotation hindsight so where when someone comes in off the bench they're not coming in cold so there's that consistency but with that consistency where there's a a healthier rotation yeah i would agree with the rotation i think the one counter to that is because of such a short season um Mm -hmm. it you didn't have as many opportunities to kind of mix someone in uh, but but I think I think it kind of it did need to happen maybe a little bit more rotation. You know, you saw someone like Travis Nicklaw who started the first three four games kind of rotating with the center backs and then eventually not being selected uh, for quite a while. And then when they had to call upon him, it's just like you talked about. He was coming in kind of cold. Uh, so so that that I think is something that maybe with a longer season you would see Coach Obleda doing a little more of that. To me, the two big things I look at is is getting better at finishing, whether that's mm. finding new players or, or working on it. You you know, I, I look back at the season, and there weren't any games that I think we lost by more than a goal. 
and you look at a lot of those games and there were situations where if this guy puts the right kind of touch on it, if this thing happens, um, you know, that game goes from a loss to a tie, a couple of ties go from a tie to a win. Um, you know, I think specifically like Ro Pineda having his breakaway in Madison. Um, you think about this last match with Greg Hurst having his breakaway. Uh, there was the the first game, the game that they played in Greenville where uh, Greg Hurst played an excellent through ball to Ricardo Zacharias. And instead of, you know, one touch, boom, he's putting it in the net. It was like two or three touches that ended up not even being a shot. Um, I can't remember which game exactly, but there was a, a, a corner kick that came in the mixer that Leo Falla tried to, uh, you know, try to do his little side side scissor kick and, and missed it. And if he had connected with that, it you know it would have slammed into the roof of the net uh, for a game that I think would have ended, ended in a draw, but would have been a victory had that gone through. And so there's just a lot of those chances. Um, that we unfortunately weren't able to capitalize on that swung games. And so if you have that better finishing, um, I, I think you're looking at five, six, seven more points. And, you know, I think actually that has us clear in second place if that's if that's the situation. And yeah. to me, kind of looking the same, it's it's similar to what you're talking about with depth. But for me, it was at a particular position in that we we did a lot of signings, we we signed almost exclusively wingers when you look at it uh, yeah. in the off season, and the place where we got hurt the most was where you know we had two season ending injuries to guys in our midfield. We had uh, Tanner Dietrich come in on loan during the season to kind of fill that void, but you know we just we didn't have anybody to fill in that position. Uh, Stephen Beatty, who normally would, I think, play that role, spent most of the season never really getting to 100%. And uh, so not having that depth in midfield, not having people that they can go to uh, when someone got an injury or rotate, you know, be able to rotate, maybe maybe that would help in some of these injury situations. Um, that that made it a little difficult for them going through the season as uh, as they had to start kind of patching those holes. And I think is is probably the biggest reason why we finished on kind of a down note the last four or five games really struggling. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I agree with that, especially on the finishing. The thing on the finishing, though, is I think we've got the players who could do it. I think Hurst can be a little more consistent with it. He certainly can produce. Ricardo has the chops. He's just got to finish that last final third. Uh, Rowe and some others, If, if just that finishing I think is key. And I think you did hit it, the, na- the nail on the head for the areas to strengthen this next time is, yes, midfield is crucial. We had a side that it looks like it was built around Ami Pineda. Ami Pineda went down in a few, just a few short matches. Uh, but then we also had Wally go down and we'd had uh, Beatty not at full strength for the whole year. So yes, if you had one more, a Wally or a Ami level midfielder in there, that mm-hmm. changes everything. But I think the other thing I think we would really be more helpful with, and I wasn't joking about putting a third center back because uh, I do think that Leo and uh, 
Romos were fantastic. And that's why they weren't rotated out much because they were doing so well. But if you've got Very a true. third option that they could rotate or occasionally play three in the back, I think that changes things so you could play those wingbacks more advanced. So yeah, that's a, but, but I do think we, I, we had a good plan going in a very good midfield roster that was taken from us. So I think he played the cards he had, but if we, uh, but that is an area to shore up certainly as midfield. I'd like to see another uh, center back. All right. So that brings us to the game coming up with Richmond and um, the game means a lot more for Richmond than it does for us, obviously. Uh, I think a win pretty much seals for them that they're going to be going to the postseason. Um, they'll be coming off a game Wednesday against Orlando City B, uh, who has announced that they're not going to be continuing their program in coming seasons. Uh, so you got to wonder how much motivation there is among a team that's pretty much academy signings and, and what Richmond's going to face on Wednesday. Ooh, looks like it's at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. That's that's wild. Um, so, but Richmond, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, do you talk about uh, us going into this next game and uh, kind of not sure we have the motivation? Boy, Orlando City B going like, well, What's the point? I mean, they've been out of it for a while and they're not even staying in the league. So yeah. are they going to, are they going to not show up or are they just going to go, ah, let's go for it. And it would be hilarious if Orlando city B did beat Richmond. I don't think they will, but it would right. be kind of hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I think the one thing that would probably work in that favor is every guy in Orlando saying, well, I know that I've got to impress on film right now so that I can have a job next year. And so mm. they all of a sudden pull together and look amazing. But when you go back over the last two years of Orlando city B, uh, there's not, there's not much to, uh, to be impressed by, I think even when they're at their best. So, I mean, I would still, I would say odds probably still favor Richmond in that match. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It still does. But I, yeah, hopefully Orlando is still going to perform uh, for that very same reason, because, you know, th there will be sounds like there will be an MLS reserve squad. But, you know, whether or not these guys will be in that squad may be uh, decided based on how they perform. Yes. So then I'm trying I'm trying to pull up uh, Richmond's schedule and see what they you know they they've had kind of a struggle the same way that we've had a struggle the last few weeks uh dropping games drop to new england uh drop points um just multiple times and are really um really kind of coming to the end of the season much like we are struggling and uh and on fumes so that also makes it I think feel a little bit easier that we're going to be able to uh to give them a, a pretty strong match so they've Lost to Tormenta, to North Texas, uh, and uh, Richmond out of those their their last four games. Uh, they are two-one victory over Orlando. Yeah, so that's Richmond. well. They also, yeah, yeah, they are Richmond. Yeah, they, they lost nil four to New England Revolution, 
uh, that was the one that really made me go, whoa, there's there's some issues there. It's one thing to to lose like to Tormenta nil one, but to lose four points to New England Revolution at right. Richmond, that was whoa. So yeah, there's no guarantee that they're going to win these two, uh, these next two matches. I certainly I do think they're very likely to win uh, tomorrow at Orlando City B, but. Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to win at, at, at home on Saturday. So, and that, that's the one thing that sticks in my craw. And, you know, it's one of those things where I hate that it, that it bothers me this much of us going into Richmond, beating Richmond so that Omaha has a chance to leapfrog them and get in. Um, I guess there's still a scenario where uh, regardless uh, or not regardless, but where uh, North Texas can still hop in that spot as opposed to Omaha. Um, But, but yeah, it just kind of rankles that it comes down to the fact that we're actually going to have to give a hand to Omaha after everything (laughs) that's gone through the season and uh, and yeah. get them into the final in their first year. So so there may be some uh, in the uh, in the pack that may be secretly rooting for North Texas, uh, but uh, out of those three options, they might be rooting for North Texas. Yeah, I'll tell <laughs> you, I, I think... it's not necessarily secretly. Like the most palatable to me, of course, none, <laughs> I don't like any of it. But the most palatable palatable to me would be North Texas getting in. Well. They're all three good sides. <laughs> there was some issues with the coach for Richmond, and then there was some uh, bad blood with uh, some stuff that happened with Omaha. But, um, you know, they are very good teams. Uh, Omaha did surprise. Richmond is a solid team. And um, and if they end up getting it, it's because that they played hard. But it'd be really funny if it was North Texas. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And, and I mean, honestly... I'm cheering for my side and I want them to go in and play. I don't want them to just show up and roll over. Uh, yeah. You know, n- not even like wink, wink. Hey, let's just kick it around so that results can work your, in your favor. I wouldn't want to see that at all. Um, I no, want them no. to go in and give Richmond a good game and, and whatever happens, we'll, we'll tip our cap to those guys. Yeah. And so, yeah, I still think we're going to come in there with a win. And I think Richmond is expecting us because we've been very competitive. Uh, and I don't think that's going to go because there's still, if, it's not that we don't have anything to play for. We have beating Richmond to, to play for. Right. And that would be beating Richmond twice. Um, which <laughs> would keep us well ahead of them in, uh, in the career series. Uh, you yes. know, Richmond's a club that is not, they're not a two side. So they are someone that's going to be sticking around league one that we're going to be facing off against. So uh, let's, you know, let's continue to build that, uh, that hurricane Derby that we had uh, playing for <laughs> the bag of, of Werther's original hard candy and, uh, and take it to them. So yep. we, uh, we kind of um, hinted at some ideas as far as what we're going to expect from the Red Wolves. I think you've got a pretty decent theory of playing with nothing to lose, maybe experimenting with some lineups, maybe getting Tim Trilk a chance to play, seeing as this game doesn't really have too much bearing on us. Um, And I don't think it's going to be too much of a subtraction from Alex Mangles if you do put Tim Trilk in from what I've heard from the team camp. Well, I tell you what, if you don't put Tim in now, when you can't put Tim in, then if you wait until you have to put Tim in, Tim may not be as ready. 
So these opportunities don't come very often. Here is a, not a freebie, but this is an opportunity. This is an ideal situation to put Tim in, to put in some, to show his quality, uh, which he's been able to show in practice again and again. Uh, and that way, because I would hate for, we all would be mortified if anything happened to Alex. And I'm, oh, for sure. But we want to make sure Tim is ready. Not just Tim is ready, but the players are are playing with Tim in a game scenario. And I and I was serious about. I would like to see a back three. Uh, so maybe put Travis in there with Ramos and Leo. Uh, but advance up Ricky and um, Ricketts. That kind of move those. Um, wingbacks to almost wingers and that allows uh, Marky and Greg to to function more just as a, a striker and second striker rather than them have to be wingers and probably in the midfield um, we're still a little lighter than we'd like to Soto I think is is definitely in there I think uh, Connor Doyle is definitely in there who's the third I know he's been picking Tanner uh, but you know what? I'd kind of like to see Roe that way he could be in there. So he can also serve as a false nine, which you love false nines. I do enjoy when people do the false nine. Um, yeah. I, and I think even if you, if you use Tanner and Roe, if you maybe use someone like, uh, Nikos Pettis as mm. more of a defensive midfielder, and then you can have Soto and Connor and Tanner or Soto and Connor and Roe. And then you would have, um, you know, we, we seem to, to have played when we had our hottest streak was when we had that kind of four-player diamond in the middle. Yeah. Um, and so you would be uh, able to put Marky and Greg as kind of twin striker positions uh, with someone like Connor Doyle or, uh, or Tanner Dietrich pushing up uh, with them and then having the rest of the midfield behind him. Uh, so that'd be interesting. I think there's lots of different ways to experiment and, um, you know, might be able to find a few things for Coach Oblada to put in the back pocket. And I think uh, maybe you do a lot of young guys because they're trying to play for a contract. You know, they're wanting to impress and get that option picked up. So maybe you can do that and, and go out and uh, and spoil Richmond's day. Yeah, I'm all for spoiling Richmond's day. <laughs> yes. So, with that said, do you have do you have any other any other uh, previewish type items? Any other ideas that you had about what uh, what we might see against Richmond? Well, obviously, the same players to be paying attention to. Uh, Tergazi is their he's their main man. You you have to contain him. You got to watch him. Uh, you got to yeah. watch to make sure Kraft and Antley aren't setting him up. Uh, those are the two most likely. Um, we give Fitzy a hard time. We like Akira Fitzgerald quite a bit. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, and I think, but he, we can score on him as we have, uh, but he is a decent keeper. But I think if we can contain Tergazi and just not or limit the opportunities he has, I think we can get away with it. Yeah, I'd say that's the case, and, and it's definitely true that the you know the main reason that we go so hard at Akira is because we respect the heck out of him. Um, you know, I mean, along with Alex Mangles and Dallas J, he's definitely one of the top keepers in the league. Uh, yeah. So, so, but he, yeah, we we have you know experience of scoring against him, and Richmond is not uh, not like Greenville in that they they are you know 
never giving up goals that you know you can you can score one or two on Richmond if you're really out there working hard at it. Uh, so I think that's the, you know this this has the the chance. I always want to talk about you know like a three two shootout. I think this is one of those games that has the chance to be wide open like that uh, because yet again you know Richmond's got to get goals and get a lead uh, so that they can win. And the Red Wolves are out there playing really with nothing to lose. So it has the the prospect of being a wide open match. Yeah, it's it's either going to be that or we're going to be doing the counter the whole time. Um, but I don't really see the motivation on just holding the ball or just watching them and responding because there's no, I mean, I, I see everything pointing to just going for it. I would agree. When you're at the stadium and you're close enough to the sideline where you can hear Coach Obleda, and you know, even even last last weekend when uh, the result was in doubt, when you know, when we wanted to make sure that we were playing um, smart, uh, he's always pushing those guys to take the chances and push the ball up the field. So now, where there's nothing to lose. I think you definitely see him double down on that and say, let's go, let's, <laughs> let's score six goals and put on an entertaining show and, uh, and, you know, see what happens on the back end. <laughs> yeah. Cause the worst, the worst thing is you're going to go out in a blaze of glory. So uh, in a memorable match. So uh, yeah. So what do you think Alex is going to be there for the score predictions? So, I think Richmond's going to come out motivated. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult to completely contain Emiliano Terzaghi. Uh, I see this being 3-2 to Richmond. So we're mm. going to be able to, to get our, our opportunities. We're going to go take them. Uh, but I think Richmond's going to find opportunities to counter, and they're going to be uh, you know, devoted to, to attacking and, and getting this win. And I'm afraid they're going to come away with it. Uh, you know, being the hungrier side with more to play for. Well, I'm kind of seeing the opposite happening. I do think we're going to push for it. I think we're going to create a lot of chances. But as you had pointed out, one of the issues we have is finishing. Uh, so I'm actually going for a nil one Red Wolves. I think we've got it to be able to uh, have another clean sheet against them. I think we're going to have a lot of shots on goal, <laughs> but I, th- I I don't think we're going to get a lot in. Um, I hope I'm wrong on that. So that's why I'm just going for a more of a modest zero one, but it's going to feel like the score should be higher. All right. I think that's a, that's a pretty good prediction. And I don't know, that seems like a good summation of the Red Wolf season. It feels (laughs) like the score should be higher. Higher. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think that we should do a special shirt for that in the off season. (laughs) All right. Well, We are going to now move to our interview uh, where we get to, uh, I sit down and talk with Sean McDaniel, GM for the Red Wolves, get an idea of what kind of things uh, he's looking forward here in the, in the off season as it becomes kind of his busy period. Um, See which Biggles Wade players he's scouting uh, Hmm. and uh, Hmm. a lot of other things and uh, find out. So here it comes. Don't go away.
All right, folks, we are here with Red Wolves general manager, Sean McDaniel. Um, we are uh, very glad to have you with us, Sean. Thanks for taking the time. Well, my pleasure as always. Uh, thanks for, for having me on. So, first off, I just want to get it out of the way. Uh, my wife wanted me to tell you hi. Uh, she makes a big deal about how I get to talk to all these folks involved with the team, and, and I don't tell them that she says hi. So, we can we can check off that box. Um, I, I feel like I have to say my wife says hi, too, though she didn't say it. But if she hears about it, she's going to ask about it. So, so my wife, who didn't actually ask it, she actually is saying hi, though. It's just Wonderful. after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got one game left in the in the regular season here, um, and curious as to what uh, what were some of the players as you're evaluating the season that happened. Who were some of the players that stood out to you this year uh, and impressed you? Well, I th- I think you know there's a couple things that that go into this this answer. Most notably, you know, it's Coach Oblada's first year with us, and uh, we're we're glad that he was able to work with what he had to work with. And by that, I mean you know we had a few guys that uh, were still with us from last season that had really good seasons this year, uh, and you know I think between the players and Coach Oblada, they they were able to to get quite a bit out of each other um i I, as we look at uh guys that that we felt had a really productive season for us uh you know i think jonathan ricketts for sure uh just the whole story about jonathan's great from here local kid played uh on our league two team last year and has risen to the first team and i think that's definitely a story that we like to tell and want to tell it often um and then you know kids that uh, Coach Oblada taught and coached since they were literally kids. You know, Ricky, Marky, um, Roe, those guys were have, have been in Coach Oblada's system for uh, a number of years. So, you know, to have them take it from literally when they were young kids all the way up through the professional ranks uh, and have success in it is um, something that I think we can all be really proud of. So, yeah, you had mentioned uh, Jono, and, of course, uh, Jonathan Ricketts has his own section uh, that's really there for him, which is fantastic. And uh, we also, uh, on loan, we got Tanner Dietrich, who's just from up the road in Nashville. So do you think um, eyes are a little more open to keeping an idea, uh, keeping up? Are you paying more attention to players coming around uh, the Tennessee Valley? Oh, I think that's an excellent point, and the the short answer is yes. And I, I'm not sure we could have done that even just five short years ago. But as you take uh, a look over the Tennessee soccer landscape, we have Memphis in USL Championship. We have Nashville SC in MLS. You have the Red Wolves here in League One. Uh, I'd be, I'd put us up against anyone to, as to being one of the most productive soccer states in the country. When you have three professional teams, and subsequent academies and youth in or around this region that we can literally create a funnel and a pipeline for uh, speaks incredibly well of those that have been working uh, in the uh, the rec associations, the academies, and it, we're, we get to be the beneficiaries of, of all the great 
coaching and sacrificing that's gone on uh, really over the last several years. And to, to be specific in that, again, we've got Jonathan, you know, Tanner's, you know, on loan from Nashville. Those are, those are two excellent young players that, that we can claim as our own in the state and get to keep them here as well. So talking about uh, a pipeline, of course, the Red Wolves Academy very recently, their, uh, their U18 team uh, went up against the Atlanta United's uh, academy team and beat them. Uh, you have uh, one of our, our younger girls teams uh, getting invited to a very uh, prestigious national tournament uh, that I think was up in Virginia, as well as a really awesome uh, kind of agreement partnership with the Knoxville Reds Academy up in Knoxville. Um, so there's really exciting things at that academy level. How how long do you think uh, before we see a kid who came through that Red Wolves Academy uh, coming on the field for the first team, Chattanooga Red Wolves? You know, I think what you'll see is something almost immediately. And while it may not be, you know, an actual signing to the first team what i do think we'll now see right now are particularly on the boys side the opportunity not only for the first team coaches to evaluate those kids in and around their training environment but to literally bring them into the first team training environment um and and we have some wonderful wonderful talent uh that we have again right here in our own academy and on the girls side you know i, I don't want to forget that we have the uh the lady red wolves and it's a similar uh, pathway uh particularly as these these young ladies can advance their game advance it to college advance it to a, a first team with the red wolves um but i i believe we'll be seeing people from our academy on the first time very very soon because that's been our mission from day one is the path to pro and well look it's it the pipeline becomes narrower the higher up the food chain you get the soccer food chain the the reality is we have those players here and i think we're we really see the evidence of uh, the mark we're making you know mls recently announced that they're going to have their own mls youth academy and uh kind of replacing the the da or development academy but it isn't just mls teams it's MLS teams, it's other academies around the country, and I, I believe we are now reaching what I'm hoping is the the, the golden years of uh, of youth soccer in America. Uh, just look at our talent that we have in Europe right now. It's probably the most exciting uh, prospect we've had ever, and that's just, again, a testimony to the system and all the hard work that's been put in from rec rec associations all the way up to these professional soccer opportunities now this whole year is a was a very special year and uh it wasn't uh and i know 2020 will not go down as a favorite year for many people for a variety of reasons uh but we were really lucky because we were able to come to matches we were able even though there were less matches we were still able to to come and watch but uh the Lady Red Wolves, as you mentioned, and also Dalton Red Wolves uh, didn't have that opportunity, uh, in particular with Dalton, because they are our two side. Um, what impact do you think that's had on them not being available and not seeing that next class of players come through Dalton? Is, is that going to impact you for next year? I, I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because we weren't the only 
team. It wasn't just uh, as if the Dalton Red Wolves were the only team that didn't get to to play in and participate in League Two. No one did. And so I, I think that everybody kind of gets a mulligan or get to hit the reset button going into 2021. Uh, our impact right now in the North Georgia market really comes from our academy more so than anything, which is exactly what we wanted. And similar to a pathway to pro Dalton offers a pathway from our academy up to the league two team up from the league two team to the first team. And while again, we can't put everybody uh, under professional contracts. It at least gives us the the player pool to 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 develop and ultimately either move them on or move them up the chain so uh, again i while you're right i can't wait for 2020 to be in the rearview mirror um <laughs> the the cancellation of league two was it was something that was uh, across the country and i fully expect that everybody will be back and again, we'll hit the reset button in the spring and try this thing again. So as you look back and you're evaluating the season, uh, what are the key areas you're looking at for how the team gets better uh, as they pursue playoffs and ultimately winning that USL League One title? I think there were two things that that really were difficult for us this season. One we had injuries that caused disruption um, to us as a team and injuries like anything are a part of every single sport. It just happened to get us harder than, than others and, and injuries to Ami injuries to, you know, Wally uh, you know, some nagging injuries to Hurst early in the year. It, it takes its toll. And I, I, I see the, the effects of that in a shortened season, right? We, we just didn't have the time to get these guys healed and back on the field. And the second thing is everybody's good in league one. Uh, nobody's, nobody's bad. And while, while teams like Orlando may have struggled, they weren't bad. Uh, Omaha, new team, very good. Richmond, good. Greenville, I mean, the record speaks for itself. So when you're talking about a 16 game season in, you know, 15 weeks, couple injuries, lots of travel. You know, there was one point where we had, what, five games in, in 10 days. That's that's a big toll. I, I don't expect that we'll go through that next season. And as a result, um, I, we're, we have high hopes for success. Now, with every challenge, uh, usually there also is an opportunity. And with um, the challenge we had of many of our key players, I mean, players that we built this team around not being available due to injury, we had other players step up. So of those players who had to step up that maybe play a role that they, they really weren't expected to, who impressed you? I, th- I think um, Ramos you know, is, mm. is one that comes to mind immediately, most notably because just sports center. Yeah. He, he, uh, we saw him in a combine last year. So each year we do a combine, uh, in orange County. We did one last year. We'll do one this year. He had just graduated. So from, uh, taking his soccer experience to the next level, so to speak, we didn't know what to expect. And so for him, stepping on the field and really producing well for us as a center back was uh, something that we were quite pleased with. Um, you know, Marky Hernandez, his, his 
production speaks for itself. And again, he suffered some injuries early as well. But, you know, he uh, he came in and went from someone who provides a spark to someone who had to play 90 minutes for us. So uh, I think the not so much that they were surprises, but they they fill the role that we we didn't expect them to fill, but they did an excellent job doing it. So I told Jeff that we were just going to go down the roster um, and, and just ask <laughs> if each player was coming back. Uh, you know, you're, you're working on putting together the puzzle for next year. Um, you know, you've got some players that you exercised the option last year. So you're going to have to negotiate a brand new contract. You've got some of the newer players that probably have that one year option for you to pick up. Um, as you're making those evaluations, what are the important things that you're looking for uh, as you're looking at which players to bring back and unfortunately which ones you're not going to be able to uh, to have again? Well, everything's going to be driven by our head coach and technical director, uh, Jimmy Oblata. And so if, if Jimmy's really uh, the one who's evaluating the talent, and, uh, along with Kevin Sawchak, our, our uh, assistant coach. So really the criteria is going to be based on what, is, what does Jimmy want to build his team around. Everybody's good. So the soccer side of it is almost the easier part of it. What, what, we, what we really look for, and it's really even a little more difficult, is how are they in the locker room? How are they in the community? How are they around their teammates? How are they in the training environment? There's a personality aspect that is almost more important than the soccer side of it. Again, everybody's good by the time you get to this, this point in their careers. But how are they with each other? How are they following the rules? How are they with the fans? All that kind of combined, we kind of have this little uh, cheat sheet of what we're looking for in the players beyond just their ability so that we can we can have the right culture. That's the word, culture. Develop a, a winning culture. Develop a culture of uh, discipline, um, winning things that, um, things that you need to be successful in a, in a nine-month season. So uh, you had mentioned about uh, all these factors offside the pitch, outside of the pitch uh, that these uh, players need to be bringing. Now, again, going back to 2020 and the specialness that it was, uh, compared to last year, those opportunities really were not there for uh, some of our players to get out in the community and have that interaction as close as we had last year. Uh, so do you think that's had uh, – is, has that changed your strategy on how you build that relationship with your players in the community? So it was probably the most difficult thing that we had to navigate this year. Uh, it, again, is these guys were were literally in a bubble. the The USL has a players' association. All the players are, are of course, members of that players' association, and with the extreme attention being paid to not just protecting the the fans but protecting the players it was it was near impossible to get them to identify with the people who are coming to watch them play um and and really the covid just turned everything upside down and as a result of that 
yeah, we couldn't get out there and sign autographs and take pictures and do appearances and go to schools. And that is so important when you're building a brand and you're building an identity for your team. Again, 2020 can't get in the rearview mirror quick enough. So the hope is we enter into 2021 and just really pick up where we left off. And that's that's a part of the contractual obligation for the players is to be available to make appearances, be at our academy, be at our rec associations, be at our school, visiting the children's hospitals. All those things are, are as important um, as playing games on Saturdays. So you've talked about a few players that impressed you uh, with the way that they played this year. Um, have you... You know, have you been contacted by clubs in USL Championship or elsewhere that are, you know, interested in possibly making offers? Have you gotten anything that's serious, or is it normally things where you just call someone in your office and you're like, "Oh gosh, look at what this guy's offering"? Yeah, what happens right now, literally uh, across the landscape of professional soccer, is everybody's posturing. It's like uh, queuing up to to get into to uh, Disney World when the when the park opens everybody's pulling into the parking lot at the same time everybody's sprinting to the front of the gate but there's only so much space uh, to get through and this time of year is no different because um, you're right there are players who are coming off a contract with teams there are players whose options are not being exercised uh, and everybody's fighting for the same trophy so you've got you know X amount of teams all fighting for X amount of players. And for us, uh, like our, my phone this time of year, my email, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop and it won't stop, uh, really until we come into preseason. Um, but the good news is we have a, we have a great Rolodex of coaches and players and agents. Um, our current players are just as important to this because they too can speak uh, to other players they know. And it, it's like anything, it's just good networking. And um, there's so much uh, sophistication out there with software. We can literally watch players on f- entire game film and evaluate them from afar. For us, we'll have two combines. We'll have a combine here in Chattanooga, November 14th and 15th. And then we'll have another combine in Orange County, where Coach Oblade is from, uh, in California, the first weekend in December. Between those two combines, there'll be nearly 100 players that are all invited in. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very uh, exclusive group because out of those 100, we really may only find five or six. But, but it's important because we get to see them and we get to see them in the training environment and we get to, to speak to them and make eye contact. And again, do they fit the culture? So have those invites already gone out or, or should I be expecting that to come in the next few weeks? <laughs> Keep, uh, I hope we got your email address correct. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, as we speak, you know, uh, again, this is just the time of year where we're all again, posturing to, uh, evaluate, you know, who, who's going to stay, who's going to go, how do we replace players? It's just the nature of the sport. I very so, much could be that uh, that third goalkeeper, uh, like the one from from the lower divisions of England, that sat on the bench eating a pie. Uh, that <laughs> just you know, if you need that for the yeah. clicks. Yeah, yeah, but we would do barbecue. 
so that's what we do. Now, you had mentioned about, uh, you know, that posturing and trying to to finish well, even though we know uh, we're not going to be in the playoffs. There is one thing where we have a game in hand because we had a postponement with us in Orlando. Now, I've not seen that rescheduled. Uh, do we have a date when we're planning on going to Orlando for the final match? We're literally waiting for the league to uh, kind of make a ruling on that now. And again, the the thing that caused so much disruption it didn't just disrupt us, it disrupted MLS teams. You know, if you'll recall, Nashville and Dallas were literally getting on a plane to go to Orlando for a, yeah. uh, a tournament, and both were turned around so just reshuffled the deck and those games didn't get played championship no different there were there were some reschedules and uh games played do they need to be played does it affect the table for us the orlando match doesn't affect the table uh greenville's already clinched the the first place spot to host and i you know i believe there's a two to three team you know battle for uh second place Sadly, we're not in it. Neither is Orlando. So if we play, it would be played just out of the spirit of the game. Uh, but if we don't play, I, I think uh, both parties would be okay with that just to to save money and not have the, the extra burden or expense. Maybe they could play FIFA online against each other or something. That's a so, great idea. Uh... I would. I would probably watch that. Uh, so, yeah, now I know um, we're really exciting uh, this year to sit in the stands and especially being so close to the action. And, and, of course, since the season started, there's been continued improvements on the stadium. But I expect that there's going to be quite a bit in this offseason. So can you talk to us a little, about, uh, a little bit about what the uh, up, upcoming uh, developments are going to be for CHI Memorial Stadium? Yeah, and and I think a, a a way to continue the introduction to that question is while the second half of this season definitely was not what we had hoped for based on the field, um, there's so much positive, so many positive things coming. Um, the executive suites, the executive club, uh, and it, it to basically define it is as you're coming into the complex and you see the main entryway for CHI Memorial Stadium, there will be eight uh, Sky Suites, uh, executive suites up there, in addition to the executive club, uh, which is a, a full bar and restaurant that has has always been on the drawing board, and now it'll, it'll come to reality. So the, the look of the front of the stadium will be much, much different as you come in. And then below the Sky Suites are the ticket office, uh, restrooms, you know, the all the 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 things that really enhance the uh, the stadium experience. Uh, we'll have lights. Uh, of course, that's um, something that just uh, for your audience and anyone else that uh, cares to know, we we sprinted to get the stadium in the state it is now once the decision was made to play. And while we would have loved to have lights, for this season, we just couldn't get them in time and installed. It just really came down to that, that the decision was, well, let's just play and we'll play during the day. But moving forward, we'll have lights, sky suites, um, the video board. It's, it's, it's bigger than a house. Uh, 
that's coming in in probably uh, early spring next year. So as people start to arrive at CHI Memorial Stadium uh, going into next season, it's going to be a much, much different in a good way experience than, than what they're got to see this year. And there's a lot of other encouraging things. We, we, we have the highest ESPN plus numbers across the league into the, into the 10,000 per game. Somebody's watching these games on ESPN plus, and we're, we're thrilled about it. We have fans and we have lots of fans, lots of fans in the stadium. Um, so, Again, while the, the soccer was uh, not what we had hoped it would be at the end of the season, boy, there's a lot of great stuff uh, for the Chattanooga Red Wolves and CHI Memorial Stadium in 2021. So speaking of going to 2021, uh, there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of rumor mill uh, about MLS2 clubs pulling out of uh, USL. Um, you know, someone like Orlando has already announced that they're not going to be continuing next season. Um, so what what have you heard uh, about what they're going to do to try to kind of fix that and balance the league out? Um, and uh, and how do you think MLS moving their clubs out of USL is going to affect the league overall? So what what's very interesting about that is we have uh, a number of MLS sides, both in championship and league one right now, who are quite content and quite happy to, to remain in the USL. And, and for good reason, it's a stable, solid league. They're not trying to create a league uh, out of nothing. Um, Orlando City was not a surprise. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming this way for um, a good several months. What I think 2021 will look like, or certainly what we're being told, is there'll be 11 teams in League One. And those are the 11 that were there this year, Toronto's back in, but Orlando City's mm-hmm. out. Um, they're supposed to announce, we're being told, sometime this quarter of two to three new teams coming into League One that will kick off in 2022. Uh, like I said, COVID just put the, the big brakes on a lot of teams, but... What we are expecting, 11 teams in 2021, all, all, everyone you, you've seen, Toronto's back in, Orlando's out, and then th- two to three new teams coming in and announced so they can kick off in 2022. MLS, again, uh, not surprised that they want to try to do their own thing. I, I don't know how well it'll go. Uh, who knows? Uh, I think MLS, it's taken them 25 years to to get their product to where it is now. It's a good product, uh, stadiums, lots of people, lots of fans. Um, I think it's best if they continue in that space and then uh, let their, their developmental teams can, can figure it out under their own league. Um, I personally prefer the, the independent clubs in League One, uh, just like ours, like just like Bob Martino and the other independent owners. I think there's a different... Um, business model and mindset for the independent teams. We're trying to sell tickets. We're trying to sell sponsors. We're trying to sell beer. I think the MLS teams don't have that same passion and energy for uh, running a business. Uh, theirs is much more about soccer development. So again, that's a long answer to my preferences. I'd, I'd love independent teams because uh, I just think it's more compelling and uh, 
more competitive. So then the last thing that I have in mind, um, you, you've talked about some of the exciting things that are going to be happening with expanding the, uh, the stadium. Uh, coming in the upcoming year as you get ready for uh, preseason friendlies, things like that, um, have you made any contacts with Wolverhampton uh, to have them come and, uh, and play the, uh, the Jeff Darby? Yes, I would love that. Thank you. The, the Wolfman Darby. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they have not returned my calls as of yet. Um, so Jeff, get I'm on that. Make sure they, they get back in touch with them. <laughs> I will. But I'll do that. <laughs> we have, we have, listen, we were, we've all, we're all talking to each other, playing preseason friendlies. Um, again, everything's just on hold uh, just because we don't know what uh, the future, the short-term future holds regarding COVID. Um, right now, the season is scheduled to start late March, but there's some momentum towards potentially delaying that just to allow markets like Madison, like teams in California to, to really open back up, allow for a vaccine. You know, basically, mm-hmm. uh, let's, let's delay, get a full season in, um, but rather than hustle to try to launch too soon, before we see where, where COVID takes us, the possibility of, of just delaying the start and extending the season in through uh, late October into November. But it, it's just all up in the air right now. Everybody's doing their best to play a full schedule uh, one way or the other uh, next year. Now, I do know what uh, he was joking about, the, the Wolverhampton, but I do I can't imagine, especially as a CHI Memorial continues to develop and I know where you guys are hosting uh, some um, Division Two championships for the NCAA. That's fantastic. So I do. I, I realized last year wasn't possible to do any preseason friendlies, or certainly not any, any international friendlies. It may be the same way in the beginning of 2021. But are you guys already thinking about that CHI Memorial would be a good place to host an international team? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the the facilities set up just perfectly f- for it, um, and international is just what that is. Whether it's uh, South American, Central American, mm-hmm. European, um, even even some of the younger national teams in the uh, the U.S. I mean, the CHI Memorial Stadium clearly is uh, a, a benchmark when it comes to professional soccer stadiums in the Southeast. So the fact that the NCAA, the stadium is not even, you know, six months old and the NCAA has already come in and, and awarded us uh, a national tournament for national championships. So we have, um, we have a lot more to announce coming up. Although uh, I can't, I can't say what yet, but Ooh. we have just scratched the surface people. Ooh, ooh, ooh! We just broke some news. We have no idea what the news is, but we just broke yeah. some special news. No, I'm excited to stop recording so he can tell us. <laughs> um, did you have anything else to follow up with, Jeff? No, I'm pretty excited now. My mind, my mind is a buzzing over the possibilities. I'd like. To, I'm looking forward to next year also seeing the Lady Red Wolves on that pitch, and I know that Dalton will also be playing some of their matches there. It'd be interesting to see a Dalton. Uh, versus uh, Chattanooga match as well. 
Well, I mean, again, going back to some of the earlier parts in the segment where we, we want to look at our talent and find out uh, who's ready for that next step, just like Jonathan. Um, the best way to do that is seeing each other uh, play in the same environment against each other. So I, I think we've got the right recipe together to, to make uh, an awesome soccer situation for Chattanooga. All right, Sean. Well, we know this is a uh, a busy season for you, so we thank you for being so generous with your time, and uh, good luck to the team uh, in the final few games here as they as they finish up the season. And we are excited for what we'll see in twenty twenty one. As am I, and please tell your wives I said hello. <laughs> Hey, wow, they, they actually came back. <laughs> wow. They like us. They really, really like us. Yeah. Wow. So, international break is over. Speaking about uh, coming back. Yeah, coming back. Alex Segway. is back, back into the house. Segway. Did not finish in last place. On the uh, on the Premier League oh. pick'em with our group of friends, so the sign is gone. My wife has allowed me to move back in. That's a joke, by the you way. Know. My wife didn't actually kick me out of the house. I think she seriously considered it, but she didn't do it. You know, you say this is with our a uh, pick with a group of friends, but as each week goes along, that friendship gets more tenuous. <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a bit of tension. I'm it's, glad it's, it was decided before your Wolverhampton game could happen so I could root with you without having to cheer for a draw. Yeah, it was um yeah, well I almost got the the um badge of shame this time, but uh my Wolves uh were what came in for me because there's no way I was going to root against Wolves. So there was a double win I had on Monday. Uh, not only did we have a uh, Wolves were able to pull out a impressive win from Leeds, but um, the fact that it, it kept me from being the bottom of the rung in our super bra. Bra. <laughs> so it was some pretty wild, you know what? I got to say one thing about this weekend. It was some unexpected draws that really kind of got my attention. There were some, yeah, you know, you were expecting some draws. I wasn't shocked with Everton-Liverpool. I do think you would be crazy not to think that Liverpool was going to be the favorite. But, you know, Everton is competitive. They were at Goodison Park. But there was no way, no way at all, that I thought that Southampton was going to get a 3-3 draw against Chelsea at um, Stamford Bridge. And, uh, yeah, Fulham-Sheffield 1-1, that's fine. Brighton-Crystal Palace, yeah. But then West Ham-Tottenham, also 3-3 draw uh, at Tottenham Stadium. And, um, yeah, Burnley-West uh, Brom, 0-0, not a shock. But the West no, Ham. No, I had that one picked exact. That's really what put me over the top. So I'm gonna I'm gonna gloat on that one. Which one at the, the Burnley the West, West Brom? Brom Burnley? Yeah, with the yeah. Burnley coach that looks like he's a getaway driver in a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> he, you know what? Uh, yeah, it it could that could be his career move. Well, you had watched the Southampton match. Now, is it? all Danny Ings now or what's going on with um, Southampton and, and the, in the Chelsea match. So 
I actually was watching my son's game at the time, so I did not have a chance to sit down and enjoy the Chelsea-Southampton game. But what I would tell you, I just I don't think that Chelsea has completely solved all of their defensive issues. And I saw them having kind of a struggle early in the season as they're trying to incorporate uh, their new players. Of course, you see um, Timo Werner and Kai Havertz are the ones scoring the goals, the you know two of their bigger uh, bigger signings. Um, but they still have a have some stuff that they've got to work on uh, defensively. Um, yeah, I see Kurt Zuma and, and Andrea Christensen, um, not really the people that I would prefer to see in the uh, in the center for their defense. But it's not as if they have tons of options for them to to replace those guys. Uh, and maybe there was a little bit of looking past them getting ready for uh, you know today's Champions League match against Sevilla, uh, which they they played a scoreless draw. Um, so there may have been a little bit of that as well, where they kind of look past and and you know when you do too much of that, anybody in the Premier League can pun- punish you. Oh yes, well again, uh, I mentioned about uh, Danny uh, Danny Ings. He comes to mind when you think of Southampton. But another player who just had a fantastic game was Che Adams, and uh, I think he's really going to have a really good season as long as he doesn't when we play him. So I see also a goal for one of their center backs, which I'm assuming uh, was coming off of a set piece uh, in the after the 90th minute. So, um, you know, I'm kind of glad that I was uh, watching my son play instead of at at home watching that on TV. That would have been infuriating. So I noticed that Chelsea uh, has kept uh, Kepa. Do you think that's had any kind of impact on their uh, defensive performance? Uh, I don't think so. They can keep him on the team as long as they keep him sequestered away from everyone else. <laughs> um, and, and that's going to be what it is. I, I just, I imagine what, I don't, I don't understand how they paid as much as they did to bring him in. Uh, whoever was in charge of that scouting hopefully is, is employed elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, but I got to imagine it's probably going to be hard to unload him or take the bath that you would have to take in order to get rid of his contract. So he's probably stuck there for a while. Um, but I, uh, I feel like the, the signing that they made, um, I want to say it's Mendy. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good fit. I, I like what I saw from him. Um, and so it's just going to come down to finding some consistency with the center backs. That tends to be where they really have their issues. Uh, if they can find some consistency there, then I, I think things are going to be in pretty good shape. All right. Well, what about this coming weekend? What are some uh, Premier League matches you're looking forward to watching? Well, we're going to have to vamp for a minute while I look for the schedule here. Well, I know that uh, uh, Villa and Leeds are playing on Saturday, and they are two teams that I hadn't expected to do as well. I expected Leeds to do pretty well. Didn't expect Villa to be as strong as they are, so that should be a really good match. Uh, you've got uh, Chelsea at Man U, and um, I think this would be a good solid match. Um, let's see what else we got. I got uh, Newcastle at Wolves. Here you go. Um, Everton at Southampton. Again, two teams that weren't as solid last year that are doing much better this year. We'll watch that. And Leicester City at Arsenal. That's another really solid one. 
Yeah, I think Arsenal Leicester City is going to be an interesting one. Um, both teams that are going to be playing uh, Thursday before they meet each other Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. Um, I think Wolves Newcastle. Uh, you know, there's that's got some interest in the Pick'em League as uh, as one of our friends uh, who organized it is a Newcastle guy. Uh, <laughs> so there may be some trash talk coming your way. Um, but but I really feel like you've probably got the talent to handle that. Um, yeah. You just never know with the Premier League. I mean, when Villa can annihilate Liverpool, anything could happen. No, and there, you know, there really has been a lot of that in these empty stadiums. It seems the attackers are a lot more comfortable. It seems uh, you would think that the lack of fans might make it easier for defenses to communicate with each other, uh, but it seems to be going the other way. You're seeing a lot of goals being scored, um, so that's fine with me. You're seeing that actually through across other sports, American football and baseball. You're just seeing some ridiculous score lines. So, all right. So today was the beginning of uh, of the Champions League group stage as well. Um, here again, I due to my principled stance against paywalls, I was not able to watch any of it. Um, you know, I also was working at my job, so that also prevented me from watching a lot of these matches. Um, but I thought it would be fun as an exercise to just kind of move through the groups and decide uh, which ones we thought were going to be making it to the knockout stages. Um, I tell you what, I'll throw a group at you. You let me know who you think is going to come out of it. And then if I have a different answer, I'll, uh, I'll interject where I disagree. All right. Which group you got for me? So let's start. I guess we'll go uh, with group A. Group A, uh, it's fairly easy. Uh, I think uh, Bayern Munich, it'd be hard not to pick them to take it. And I'm going to go, um, even though RB uh, Salzburg is pretty tight, I think I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid in that second spot. I would agree with those two. Um, yeah, I think I think Salzburg may have the ability to be frisky, but I don't think overall they're going to have the, uh, the strength to match those top two. Um, yeah. So... Mix it up on you, and we'll go with Group B. Well, Group B. Okay. Wow, you threw me off. Um, I'm gonna go for. Um, I'm gonna go for Inter Milan to take it with Real Madrid in seconds. Yeah, I had those same two finishing. Um, I didn't pay too much attention to who was first and who was second. I was just picking the two that are coming out. But that's yeah. what makes you better at this than I am. No, I just I just made a decision. Well, I mean, Merchant <laughs> Gladbach is a solid team, but I think they're just not quite to that same level. Yeah, and I think maybe I think they're a team that could pull off an upset of one of these two, uh, you know, in a home match or something like that. Uh, that would maybe make it interesting going into the final day. But but yeah, I believe these two would be the ones that would be on top. Uh, Group C one that I think maybe has the chance to kind of be wide open. What do you think about that one? Well, most years I would pick Porto as being one that's advancing, but they are, I think they're going to be in the middle of a restructure. Uh, City is, uh, they're not looking the best in the league, but they've got a lot of depth. And Olympiacos has really impressed me. So I'm going to say City and Olympiacos is going to take that second spot. 
yeah, I actually had those two as well uh, for uh, f- very much the same reasons. Um, so Group D. Group D, last year I would have picked Liverpool to take it. Uh, as they're playing now, I'm going to pick Ajax, uh, just so we can say Ajax and sound very pretentious. And uh-huh. uh, and then coming in second, I've got Liverpool. Um, Help me out. What's what's the uh, What are the other groups or the other teams in that group? Atalanta and uh, the other right. one is Mittiland. I think that's uh, where Thor comes visits on vacation. Yes, that uh, that is a Danish side. Uh, they play, I'm sure, in a Lego brick stadium. Um, <laughs> no, them I'm not worried about. But Atalanta was, uh, you know, uh, they're a team in Italy that mm. really challenges those top teams. And I think if here again, if there's any of them that's going to upset, I think that's one that it could come down to the last day. Um, I, I have Liverpool on top, but I see what you're saying in how they've struggled at the beginning of the year. Um, so we'll have to see. I think that's that's maybe one of the most intriguing groups. I say if, if Atalanta was in any other group, I would have them advancing. But it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's just too tough with Liverpool and Ajax. So Group E? Uh, group E, I am um, was really, really impressed, unfortunately, uh, in Europa League uh, with Sevilla. And they're on such a momentum. There's such a short time between the end of Europa League, the beginning here in the Champions League. They're on a roll and a tear. I'm picking them to take it with Chelsea being uh, the other one to come up. So those are the top two that I had, and I would not be shocked uh, to have Sevilla in first place and Chelsea underneath them. Um, Moving to Group F... Group F. Well, this one's a little inter- it's a little harder to pick through here, which again, if you had um, Atalanta or one of the other ones that almost came in, I think they could have taken mm-hmm. Group F. Uh, but I'm going to go for Borussia Dortmund and Lazio for a second. Yeah, we seem to be on the same page because I had those same two. Because when you can't pick, pick the German and the Italian. <laughs> there you go. That. That you know, it's funny how a lot of that. I mean, it's almost like when you're when you're doing a uh, an NCAA basketball tournament bracket, and you're just like, oh, this team's in the ACC. Okay, they're gonna yeah. go on. Yeah, it's gonna. Um, so Group G, uh, Group G. Uh, most years I would pick Barcelona, but they kind of are also. They're not derailed, but they're not in the form that they were. Uh, Juventus yeah. is been coming back and i think juventus is going to kick it i do think that uh, dynamo kiev is going to give a fight but i think barcelona will win out on that second spot yep and i think there again i'm looking spain italy um you know barcelona even even much diminished is still very strong and so i think they have the the horses to at least come in second and get to those knockout stages and that brings us to Group H. And now this is where I'm going to throw you for a curveball. No, it's Ooh. not. It's not a curve a curveball at all about PSG. I they clearly are going to win this group. But the second, yeah. I and I do think that uh, Bashiskir has a really solid side. But I think it's RB Leipzig's going to come out above Ooh. Man United. Partially is that Man United's form right now. They're struggling in the Premier League, and also uh, their defense is 
not in shambles, but it's not a united defense right now. So I think RB Leipzig is going to, is going to take advantage of that. Okay. So I, I mean, I hesitated a little between RB Leipzig, possibly unseating Man U, uh, but I have them coming through in second place. Well, we uh, when to, it comes down to it, if we, if we never disagreed, we would be a really boring podcast. So that's okay. No, that's true. There's lots of other reasons why we're a really boring podcast. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> so why limit it? Why limit it? Sliding over to Europa League, um, you know, a, a lot of times we have people that are very English Premier League focused. Um, do you do you see any of those UK teams being dumped out in this group stage? Uh, Arsenal, Leicester, Tottenham. Yeah. Now I haven't looked at Europa League because I'm bitter, uh, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, I think our Arsenal is pretty safe in their group. Uh, they're looking at through here. Uh, let's see the other groups here. Leicester's got Braga. In AEK Athens, that's going to struggle a bit, but I think they're going to get at least the second, if not first. Braga really, uh-huh. really is very competitive. And uh, Tottenham, Antwerp, and Lask. Well, I do think uh, Tottenham is also going to advance. So I don't think we're going to see any surprises, English clubs, for Europa League. I agree with that. And then, I mean, on top of those English teams moving to knockout stages, who who do you really see as the contenders? Uh, well, it's hard to tell. Uh, they haven't really got a chance. It's something if you after you watch a few more games to see on through it. I think Tottenham is generally looking solid. They haven't won. They've had some surprise losses, but the team uh-huh. is looking good as well as Leicester. Um. Arsenal is kind of mixed. Arsenal could be, could just come alive or they could come de- derailed. It's uh, I would say out of the three, I'm going to say Tottenham is the most likely uh, to come out on top of those three. So I, I have Arsenal as the contender as Adam yeah. silently curses me while he's editing this. <laughs> um, the other contenders that I see, uh, not just from the UK, but I think AC Milan, a really strong side from Italy, uh, a full season of Zlatan. Uh, they they finished the season strong to qualify for Europa after having a really difficult beginning of the season. Uh, and uh, Villarreal from Spain seems like the uh, you know the Spanish sides that are are below. Barcelona and and Real Madrid when they have a chance to to take on folks around Europe in this Europa League they uh, they do pretty well so I have uh, I have those three as kind of my contenders to take it all well um, yeah I, I will throw in there I, I agree especially with Milan but I'll I'll add into that mix uh, Braga and uh, Roma almost I think those are good choices as well. And Benfica just almost there. Well, the, if they hadn't sold all of their players to uh, Wolverhampton, apparently, maybe they'd have the the ability. But <laughs> there, I'll have to show you. They're, actually, we've been taking them for Porto, and there's a new shirt oh, okay. I just ordered. It's called Grand Theft Porto, and it's got all the Port- <laughs> uh, all the Porto players and Nuno, who used to coach at Porto. I'll have to, as soon as I get the shirt off, to show it off to you. That's good stuff. 
All right. Well, I guess this is where we'll take a 20-minute break and let Adam insert his how Arsenal's going to do in Europa League rant. Okay. And that was Adam. That was was awesome and amazing. And since my Wolves aren't even in Europa League, uh, I got nothing to say on that. So There you go. Well, thanks for being a sport and making those predictions anyway. (laughs) Not a problem, man. Hey, but I think you've got something else, right? So we're coming to the end. We've got our Biggleswade report. And uh, we're going to start with some of the extra friends that we've added to the Biggleswade report who are not uh, Biggleswade adjacent. Uh, But our friends up in Canada, Forge FC... Uh, sponsored by Tim Hortons. Roll up the rim to win. That's right. They will be heading to El Salvador to take on Municipal Limeño, mm-hmm. uh, who look like they have Peppa Pig on their crest. Yeah, I uh, saw that. That looked actually kind of awesome. I'd love to have that on a T-shirt itself. <laughs> um, but but we're Forge guys. We're here for Forge uh, up there in Hamilton, B.C., not Hamilton, BC. What am I saying? Hamilton, Ontario. Ontario. Steel Town. Yeah. Oi. So we uh, they're they're going to head down for the Concacaf League. The uh, Concacaf League is one that has quite a few Central American teams. It's got a couple uh, Caribbean teams that qualify, and then the winner of the Canadian Premier League, which was Forge, uh, and they play a best of. Well, actually, there's 22 teams, so this is a preliminary round that will whittle it down to 16. And those 16 will play each other. Uh, The top six then get qualified into the uh, early rounds of CONCACAF Champions League. So this is uh, the beginning of Forge's international soccer career working their way into the uh into the CONCACAF Champions League where maybe they'll beat my Portland Timbers we'll have to wait and see and uh see how things go um but Forge we love you uh reach out to us anything we can do to uh to help you guys uh and uh anything I can do that will get me one of those sweet Tim Hortons sponsored jerseys uh let me know all right uh but Moving on to Biggles Wade, uh, our match ball was lucky. Yes, of course. Biggles Wade Town comes from behind, wins 2-1. This Saturday, they're going to be heading to Tamworth to try to build on that. And uh, and then we also found out that the uh, FA Trophy, the third qualifier, will be hosted at at the Yvette Brewer Stadium. Uh, They'll be taking on... um, Haybridge Swifts in the third qualifying round of the FA Trophy on Halloween Saturday. There you go. Uh, so that's that's Biggleswade Town. Biggleswade FC, unfortunately, still on their losing streak, uh, mm-hmm. falling on Monday. Uh, but Biggleswade United, um, in the background, I had uh, Joshua Roberts Law. I hope I got that name correct. And uh, Leon Waite giving me the play-by-play. Uh, for Biggles Wade United as they played a scoreless draw uh, over at uh, Le- Leverstock Town, Leverstock Green, one of those things. And uh, 
a little frustrating to hit the post in the first half and in the second half. Uh, crossbar weren't able to get a goal, but they are unbeaten in five in their league matches. Uh, so they're looking at the top part of the table and uh, really challenging for promotion. So way to go, uh, Biggles Wade United. So it could end up being next year that Biggles Wade United could get promoted to the same league that Biggles Wade Town is in. So, no. So their Biggles Wade United would move up to the league that Biggles Wade FC is currently in. Oh, I thought they would they have to go the... up one more. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, well, that's why you're the pro on, on all things Biggles Wade. Right. So it would uh, it would put in play the possibility of a league Biggles Wade Derby as they would go to the same league as Biggles Wade FC. But unfortunately, with this losing streak, Biggles Wade FC is uh, is in relegation territory. Um, so it could end up being just that the two of them would flip-flop their leagues. Uh, uh-huh. So we'll have to see uh, if Biggles Wade FC can pick things up. Um, of course, the whole point that all of this started was that uh, the you know being able to attend a Biggles Wade Derby is on my bucket list. That would uh, be so awesome. Hopefully Hopefully that can come true. Very cool. So, Jeff, you got anything else for the good of the group? Uh, other than the fact that I noticed that you'd mentioned that uh, the Biggleswood town is going to Tamworth, and that I happen to know that Tamworth used to be the capital of the ancient kingdom of Mercia, and that has nothing to do with, with soccer. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Ancient kingdom of Mercia. Yep. You, you, anytime you could work that in, you do so. It impresses, For sure. impresses everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this Saturday, the pack will be hanging out at Tap House, That's watching right. the game. Come out and uh, hang out with us. Get some beer, get a burger, watch the game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we hope to see you there. And uh, other than that, we'll catch you guys after the Richmond game. Bye. Bye. Hey, you guys didn't start without me, did you? Guys? Are you there? All right, well, I guess I'm just going to do this part on my own. So uh, I got some results from the games on Wednesday. Richmond managed to get a 3-1 victory over Orlando City B. Uh, a Orlando City B went up early on them and actually got the one nothing lead, but ended up with a red card, and that game ultimately ended in a 3-1 victory to Richmond, which was what was expected. Uh, the other big game that was mentioned earlier by the guys when they did their recording uh, was the game between um, North Texas and the Pink Flamingos of Milwaukee, not Madison this year. And uh, they were playing in Milwaukee on the uh, uh, Festival of Lights that is the field that they've got there that has the Quidditch marks and every other possible sporting event, including Foursquare, on their field, and it may have come back to bite them because in the 96th minute, that's right, the sixth minute of um, 
added time, a penalty was called against the Flamingos, and it it's debatable whether or not that penalty was actually deserved or if it was actually a a foul outside the box. It started at the very top of the box, and honestly, there were so many lines going across there that it's highly possible that neither the ref or his assistant could really tell which one was the um, which one was the top of the penalty box and which one was a volleyball line or a Quidditch line or a line for cricket or maybe it was a a line for Foursquare or maybe it was um, a, a line for some other sport that we we don't know that they play there. But the fact is, I think it came back to bite them and uh, ultimately North Texas survives and gets to go into their uh, final match on Saturday with hope. Uh, they won't really know what where they stand fully uh, until their game starts, but by the time their game ended, they will know prior to their game ending whether or not that game actually matters. It's one of the things that drives me nuts about uh, League One is that they don't they haven't figured out a way to have all these games end on the same time, and so consequently it may be like last year where that game ends up meaning nothing. Uh, for North Texas, or it could be a game where the North Texas uh, team is going to decide who makes it into that uh, championship game. So as, as we look at the matches coming up on Saturday, uh, you're going to have us playing Richmond at uh, 6.30, and if we're able to beat them, that makes the Union-Omaha game that starts at 9 and the North Texas game that starts at 9.30 Really important because if we're able to win or tie, it opens the door for uh, Union Omaha. And if we do get that that win, it uh, it opens the door for North Texas. North Texas does need for us to win. If we tie, it guarantees that Richmond would beat them, and so the Union-Omaha game would be important to Richmond at that point, but it would eliminate North Texas. But if we're able to win that game, uh, those two games that really should start at the same time, but don't, one starts at 9 and one starts at 9.30, no real good reason for it, uh, as they're both being played in the central time zone, but League One missed an opportunity here. Um, so that's, that's kind of the last thing for you guys to know, and uh, hopefully we are able to play that role of... Uh, Spoiler versus uh, Richmond and really make those last two games matter. Uh, I don't expect our team to lay down like Lansing did because, um, you know, unlike Lansing, we're going to be here next year. So, anyways, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the the new more common combo of Alex and Jeff as I kind of uh, step into more of a producing role. I wanted to, to tell those of you that have listened to us from the beginning how much I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm not going away. I'm just kind of going behind the scenes. You'll still have to hear my annoying voice from time to time. But uh, thank you for for those of you that listen. And, uh, you know, hope to see you guys on Saturday. Bye. Oh, thank you.